welcome to episode 31 of New Zealand Vegan Podcast. I'm your host Elizabeth Collins and this is part two of my interview with Adam Kahanowitz and I hope you enjoy. So when you came back to the States and you decided to do this kind of activism, which is not donating money or listening to people trying to tell other people to eat free range, is that when you started writing for um, the Examiner and is that when you started your website, abolitionistvegans.org? Uh, yeah, and I started the um, the abolitionistvegans.org, by the way, is kind of like in a purgatory right now, I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. But uh, it's been attacked by spammers. I'll just come out and say that. Oh, no. <laughs> I hate spammers. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as bad as, I don't know. But, okay. um, yeah, you know, I started that website because um, it, it was just like, it's, it's a big pragmatic chunk of my life where I'm just going to, like, try this and see if that, like, helps the vegan community. And there's some hits and misses. And, like, you know, um, the vegan community was more attracted to some things than, than others. And, uh, and, you know, like, one of the things that people liked was I – I put together this wiki database of products, alcohols, wines, liquors, ingredients, and uh, you know retailers, and they're listed as vegan friendly or not, or tested on animals or not. And you know, it's just like a nice little database. And then if, if you're like, oh wait, this is wrong, or you know, if uh, you know you don't find something on there and you look it up and you find out later, you can just go on there and type it in. It's a wiki, like like Wikipedia. Um, and I think people like that. And then I had like, you know, you can see my vegan kiosk on there. Yes, I love that vegan kiosk. I love it so much, um, especially in New Zealand because it rains a lot. <laughs> and you had a tent and everything. It was fabulous. <laughs> you know, and the credit for that kiosk actually begins with Eric Prescott. Oh, okay. Who, uh, do you know Eric Prescott? He's, I know him. I know. I've seen his writings. I've seen him out there. He's out there in this. this I've just started going on Twitter, and I've just started going on Facebook, and I've seen him on on those things. Yeah. And uh, he probably doesn't even know that. I've never actually told him, like, you know, you inspired me to do this. But he definitely, he actually inspired me to do this because I saw he, he like, founded the um, – Boston Vegan, uh, Boston, I think it's Boston Vegan Society. Oh, I didn't know he, that's who founded the Boston Vegan Society. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you, you know, he, he's a hell of a leader with that. And, like, I, I don't know if he's, he's gotten done, but he's um, doing this tour all over the United States. And he actually stayed at my place for a night because he's just interviewing vegans all over the United States. And uh, a hell of a guy. And then he goes and he spends a lot of money and does a lot, puts in a lot of labor in building this extraordinary vegan kiosk. And he uses it pretty regularly. Uh, so naturally, I got jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and I started, I was like, oh, I want a vegan kiosk. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I, however, I didn't have the... Uh, this, the building skills or the, uh, I guess, the know-how that, that Eric did. And so what I figured is, was like, well, you know, I'm probably not the only one out there who would like to just whip out a vegan kiosk but doesn't have, like, a lot of tools or, like, you know, the carpentry knowledge and that sort of thing. And so I was looking around a bit, and I realized, why don't – if you could just take – and this is going to sound silly – uh, probably my description, but if, if you see this kiosk, you see how this works, is that you get one of those cheap armoire, particle board armoires at like a hardware store or the, you know, some cheap furniture store. And, you know, they come in like a thin box and you piece it together and it comes like with this little like L-shaped Allen wrench, you know, so it's like very easy to put together. 
And uh, I was like, okay. And then you just like cut a hole in that, or not even cut a hole, but you just you know you mount something on there, or you can just set your laptop on top of it and keep all your pamphlets inside of it. And it's like, what the hell? That's a vegan kiosk. And so what I did is I took it a step further from that. As I I, I bought one of these kits, and my dad, who actually uh, you know. I'm going to contradict myself a bit here because he is actually a very experienced carpenter. And so he helped me out with this, but it's, it's the model. So, you know, it's got to look good. Okay. So, you know, we, we put, put it together and I just used my laptop and some cheap speakers and a cheap monitor. And we put this together. And I also had an extra element to this, which is that you can buy, um, a USB number pad. And what that is, is it's simply, um, if you have a, like a desktop keyboard, the right side of the keyboard that just has numbers, like a calculator, you know, that's the number pad. And so this is just the number pad, and you can buy this, and it's, it plugs into the computer. So what you can do with this is you set it um, on the front of the kiosk, and you, the, the person who's going to watch these videos approaches the kiosk, and they see a menu, kind of like when you watch a DVD. And it says you can, like, skip to this chapter or that chapter or watch the extras or watch it with commentary, um, much like a DVD, except it'll have a silhouette of an animal, like a cow, and then a number one, silhouette of a chicken, number two. And so you walk up to this and you see this, and it's very intuitive, and you can just press this number pad. So the beauty of this is that um, if, if you go to the website, it'll show you how to build one of these. You can download the software for free. You can download the source of the software for free if you're a better programmer than I am, which is not a large feat. Yeah, <laughs> this is a very janky program, and uh, you know, even change it, make it better, and um, and then give you that so that you can have it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, share with the community and just build your own kiosk. That's wicked. Can you tell us exactly where to go to get all that stuff? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been to my own website in quite a while. If you go to abolitionistvegans.org, abolitionistvegans.org, and I believe it's in the tools. I don't have the website in front of me. I think if you go to tools, there's like a, a top menu. If you go to tools, there's like a vegan kiosk option. Okay, cool. Well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and I'll try to put the, put the direct link on there. But what I would like to say also, though, for people who, first of all, like you said, most important thing, you have your mouth and you learn how to be effective in talking to people in your everyday life. I think that that's the thing that everybody's missing, that you can do that. It's not that, it's really, we got to stop being scared of that. Also, you know, I, um, I'm, I, right now I don't, I'm not going to have a, a vegan kiosk, but it, does, it doesn't mean I, can, I can't go out and stand in a park with some pamphlets or go to a coffee shop and things like that. So we need to stop, um, because they look at these big groups who have all this, um, sensational, um, stuff because they have all this money, but where are they getting their money from? They're getting their money from non-vegans who are donating to them or they're getting some sort of, um, you know, sponsorship. So we need to realize that to be powerful, we have a very simple message that you don't need a degree. You don't need to know. I didn't even know when the word vegan was invented. It didn't stop me from understanding what veganism was once I, you know, heard, I really allowed myself to listen. Everybody can hear this message, but I like, um, I like hearing from other people who are spreading the the same message because like you say um i think you said in in, in america um there's not a lot of um people 
I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of vegans everywhere. In New Zealand, we have vegans too. We have a lot of vegans, but um, um, there's not a lot of us talking about or doing what I think we all should be doing. All us vegans, you know, I think one of the problems, Adam, is we have a lot of vegans, but 99% of those vegans are either donating money to PETA or doing nothing and um, or telling people, well, I know that it's hard to be vegan, so, you know, just go vegetarian. I think that, that, that we all as vegans should, you know, as, especially if you're an ethical vegan, um, should, should not be afraid to tell the truth. And the truth is that you can go vegan and you should go vegan. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should. But we have to know how to do that without getting people aggravated, without getting them feeling accusatory. Um, uh, one of the things that I was wondering was um, in the when you when you're writing your articles, um, and um, I'm catching up on all the or the articles. How long have you been writing those articles for? Because I'm only just catching up on all your articles that you've written. Oh, not too long. I I think. I think I'm at like 110 articles, which sounds like a lot, but I write, I'm supposed to write like four times a week on average. And sometimes I'll write like every day for a week. And then sometimes I'll write three days for a week. So I, I don't know what's what's on that. Maybe, you know, maybe a few months, three or four months. Okay. So as your experience as pretty much a, a, a journalist, a vegan journalist who's actually doing vegan activism writing articles and you know you get comments do you have you noticed any i mean what is your observation of the of the the type of pe- people who are reading these things the type of comments that you're getting what what would you observe with regard to effective um what you found to be effective what kind of comments you've gotten well that's, that's an interesting thing i think the first thing i think about is um when i first started writing i got a lot of comments that were just all positive and they're like way to go yeah go vegan like definitely which is cool. I'm glad to see, you know, some vegans reading that. And now like I'm friends with them on Twitter and, you know, getting to know them better. And that's definitely cool. And, you know, love them for reading my articles. But I also thought it's like, then that also tells me that the right people aren't reading it. I want to see more disagreements in these comments. You know, I want to see people making an argument about it, um, you know, disagreeing um, kind of ironically, because then I know that those people are reading it. So that's what you mean. You mean you want other people, you want people who are not vegan already to read them and to and yeah. to have to confront these issues in themselves. And you know, the first a lot of people, the first thing they're going to do is dispute it or deny it or fight back against it because they don't want to admit, you know, that that maybe what they're doing is, you know, causing unnecessary suffering. Nobody likes to admit that. So, because it's the National Vegan Examiner, are you thinking that only mostly vegans are going to go and read it? I guess it's it's confusing because I don't know I don't know how people find my articles because I know they they find them on Twitter so that that's mainly vegans because like everybody I'm friends with on Twitter I don't know probably like ninety percent they're vegan at least and uh, um, but you know also people find it in Google links so they they may just type in a word that is in my headline yeah you know, sure definitely I mean you have had. You can't say you haven't had any controversial comments, though. I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so have you noticed, you're saying in the beginning everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's cool, I'm a vegan too. And then are you saying that now it's getting out to more people? Yeah, I, I think it has. Um, you know, both when I went national and uh, just, just the more I write, you know, there's more more of my keywords are out there, like on Google and whatever. And um, 
Um, but I also, there were a lot of welfareists coming in because they would read about, they would see the key, keyword PETA or something, and they'd be like, oh, PETA, yay. And then they'd read my article, and they're like, oh, no. And, uh, sorry. And uh, I also noticed that people, like, it's just very evident from their comments that they didn't read the article. They read the headline, and they're like, oh, this jerk. And then they go to the comments, and they write their comment. Or they would read, like, the first paragraph, and they don't, you know. So well, some, that, sometimes I, uh, what's that? That goes with the territory, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't respond to the comments just because okay. people come and respond for me. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. There, you'll have, you've got people out there now have got your back because, you know, we, how do you find when you've gone out, when you, when you filmed your How to Make a Vegan Kiosk, you actually had it at an event. Can you tell us what that event was? Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, it wasn't that glamorous. It was actually Earth Day. Yeah, okay. In, here in Omaha, Nebraska, which is like you know back to the eco vegan thing. But whatever, you know, I get the kiosk out, and uh, sure. you know people watch the videos. And um, how was it with general? What? How did you? How did you find it in Omaha? What's it like for you out there? Well, I don't know much about Nebraska. Is it a lot of farming and? Well, there. Uh, you know, Nebraska is pretty known for its beef, I guess. Like, pretty, I don't know if this is like a catch term in New Zealand, but the the term Omaha steaks is pretty well known across the United States because we it's just a very famous steak company. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of beef cattle and corn and that sort of thing. Omaha is the largest city in, in Nebraska, so we don't have a lot of farming culture, but, you know, this you do have people who come to the university who grew up in small towns and that sort of thing. But doing this kiosk and actually getting out there and talking with people, uh, if, if you ever get the chance to do this sort of thing and set up a kiosk at an event or something, um, I, I hope that you will get the same um, sense of hope that I did, which is that, yeah, you get the people who come up and they're like, you, you know, oh, I'm going to have a steak and, you know, that stuff. But... But, but overall, I was like, I cannot believe how many people, even if not vegan, they had heard about it or thought about it, and they just simply didn't have anybody there to say, oh, yeah, you can do it, or here's how to do it. So many just potential vegans running amok everywhere. <laughs> yes. they, just don't, you know, they just don't have somebody who's around to be their buddy, you know, just to be like, oh, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm vegan, my name's Adam, and that's uh, the best decision I ever made in my life, and uh, I can help you do it. Here's things you can eat. You know, that's all they needed. That's it. They had the, the compassion part all figured out. You didn't have to do the argument, like that hard argument with them. Oh, <laughs> that's great. See, that's what I would say is like, you know, I we've got to look for those people and nobody is so I'm very keen to look for those people and um, the people who say things like I'm going to go eat a steak I'll just say well goodbye because right next to them could be the person I should be talking to yeah exactly um, you know and um, that one of the things is that I, um, because like I say nobody's doing that so I think that it's very arrogant of people to say that it's not going to work um, they could say that we're arrogant for saying that it is going to work but I think that they're ignoring the general sort of um, well I mean there's a lot of people who are way more knowledgeable about history who, who are out there saying excuse me what? look at history fighting for abolition is the only thing that works to end mm -hmm. social injustice but um, also I think that um, I know from my own personal experience I knew a vegan in New York and I remember vaguely she, she I didn't even barely know that she was a vegan um, 
she never tried to talk to me about it um, when I was a vegetarian quote whatever it is I mean I can't even uh, there's too many syllables in what I was because I was like over lacto pesca da 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 so I just can't even I was just it was nothing I was an omnivore you know I just ate mm-hmm. you know and the reason I gave up and I kind of did think that it was it wasn't even really anything meaningful but nobody ever tried Nobody ever tried with me. When I was a kid, uh, I knew a vegan, and I can honestly say I don't think that they, that she ever tried to t- talk to me about why. You know, so I'm. I think that that's what we need to be doing. You're doing it, you know, um, and that's and we need more people doing it. And I'm. I just think it's the only thing that that we can do, and I think more people should be doing it. But I will say that I am. I am. I'm aware that there are people who are vegan who um, are never going to do it they're never going to confront their neighbors they're never going to talk to their friends or talk to their family um, mm-hmm. and that's but fine even, even those people who are the ones that are just like oh they'll never go vegan they're the most stubborn person on earth like time will go on and those people will have children and then if anyone's ever had you know children who have lived past 13 that you know that they start to uh diverge from their parents' path in life and they start to meet other people. They go to their high schools and they meet other people and they change their religion, they change the beliefs of their clothing, uh, the way they speak and everything like that. And, and so, you know, keep that in mind. Even the most stubborn people are going to have open-minded children. And, and so for, for those people who are supposedly so stubborn, um, focus on the culture that's going to be awaiting right. their children. Oh, that's a really great that's a really awesome observation. That's just a fantastic way of looking at it. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're on the right track. I think we've just begun. Um, I'm really amazed to hear about what you did, um, your pilgrimage in a way to Europe and the fact that you came back even more adamant than ever or more convinced than ever that this is the way to go. I think that that says a lot. I mean, you went out of your way to um, do your own personal research. So... That's a, that's a great story. There's a lot of, like, unlearning with it, too. Like, you know, you teach people about animal rights, and you have to kind of, like, unteach them. <laughs> because we're, we're under the influence of a lot of welfareism, and people are under the impression that since, you know, of course, they eat the uh, cage-free eggs and the humanely raised or whatever, that they are, you know, being compassionate. And so there's a lot of unlearning. And uh, welfareists want animals not to be put in factory farms, you know, like fact, the factory farm thing. Like, people are blaming the factory farms for some reason. But what the public misunderstands is that the animals are the factory farm. It doesn't matter what they're inside of. You know, it's, it's not like the setting that they're in. Of, of course, a factory farm is, might be worse than, I don't know, a, a big range for part of their life at least. Um, but they're not just like a fellow laborer of whom we've been mistreating recently. They're a resource that is tapped for profits. And this partitioned resource inconveniences consumers from time to time by making us feel so bad. And that's where welfareism comes in with a little bottle of Febreze. Do you have Febreze in New Zealand? No, thank goodness. I can't stand the stuff. <laughs> okay, you know what it is. Yes, that's I do. A, Deodorizer, supposedly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it allows us to stop feeling so bad. And that's why I think welfareism is more concerned with the welfare of the human consumers than the animals. It's like somebody says, Oh, look at these battery cages, you know, oh, geez, look at these gestation crates. Look at these, how these pigs have their tails cut off without anesthesia. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's really too bad. Animals are treated so poorly. Animals? Oh, no, 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 no. I feel bad for the consumers. 
oh my gosh, the consumers, they have to, they have to endure this guilt. Oh, these poor, innocent humans. We should, we should make slavery guilt-free. Yeah, that's a great, another great way of looking at it. I never even thought about that. It's, um, one of the things is like when, when I hear people who say, um, you know, nobody's ready and you have to take steps. I'm like, well, when, when, you know, everybody says, well, I went vegetarian, you know, first and then I went and then I went vegan. I'm like, well, you know, look, I went vegetarian for very unfounded reasons. They weren't even really, it was a very vague notion. So, um, I don't think that there's any evidence to support that, you know, you have to go vegetarian first. There's no, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I think that I, I certainly like to talk to vegetarians, especially if they're ethical vegetarians. If they are just, if they're just, you know, they don't, haven't confronted the full, full story. I certainly think that, yeah, if, you know, if I had to pick, if, if I was given five people to pick from and four of them were barbecuing, you know, farm owners and the other one was a, was a, you know, an, a, a vegetarian overlector, I'd pick them. You know, they would be easier, you know, to talk to and everything. But I don't see any evidence that um, we go to anybody who is horrified by what they see in a video of factory farming and who's just absolutely devastated by the horrific suffering and go to them and say, you know, lie to them which is basically what it's doing because if you think free range doesn't even mean anything as we know as you know Adam as I know so i think you don't what you know who says we have to lie to them and say well you know because we're underestimating their compassion or well, they they're they're horrified by what they see in this because i never went through that when i saw the videos and stuff i went vegan this just because mm-hmm. i'd been an omno pesky whatever for 10 years doesn't negate the fact that when I saw because I didn't see that stuff to go vegetarian I just kind of was like it was just like trendy my friends were I was kind of like and when people were like why do you go vegetarian I couldn't even be bothered saying oh I just don't want to eat animals anymore it would just be kind of like oh I ate meat I don't need it anymore I'm fully grown or whatever because I really didn't feel it so I don't agree with this I think it's detrimental to even think that way and I think that there's, there's a, that's one of the biggest problems in the quote unquote movement is that we're underestimating people's compassion because I, I think that it's not fair to lie to somebody to show them the video of a factory farmed animal if that's the footage that you have and then go to them and say, well, you know, you're not ready to be fully compassionate. So we're going to lie to you about free range because we're lying to ourselves about free range and telling ourselves that it's so much better for the animals. And, you know, and then you're going to eat free range for five years. Well, you could have gone vegan in those five years if we'd come to you and said, go vegan. And if you don't go right away, at least we came to you with that message and then you could think about that and if you decide to go and eat factory farming or whatever at least you've been told the truth from the beginning we can't stop you from doing what you're doing but if you're not even telling the people from the beginning so it's we're up against this awful um counterproductive activity we have to realize that we're up against very counterproductive activity but it's not going to stop me from going to people who've seen a factory farmed video and being horrified by it and then being approached by somebody saying you can buy free range it's not going to stop me from going up to that person and saying hey if you were horrified by what you saw why were you horrified and if you were horrified by it why are you still eating them you don't have to eat them anymore and that's what I'm going to tell people no matter what and I don't underestimate them at all and the and then if, if nine out of ten people turn around to me and say I don't care well the 10th person who doesn't that's how we're going to build the grassroots movement but if that 10th person doesn't get the message either then we're going to get nobody nobody yeah, at all yeah exactly yeah i mean we can we can bring ourselves down by constantly thinking about 
the, the many people out there who are just a very stubborn or they are ne- they'll never go vegan, at least to the best of our knowledge, we don't think they will. But I think, I think there are people all over the place who they just need you to like pester them a little bit. And like, not, not in a mean way. I mean, I'm just talking about like people who you're like friends with or who you kind of know and you know, you can tease them a little bit and you know, in a very friendly way, you just kind of like pester them to go vegan. Like, I, and I've, I've done this before and, uh, it's it's a fine line you have to strut, of course, but um, and I think I've stepped over that line before. I thought I thought I was just kind of teasing someone, and because they had this, they found this ham sandwich, and it was just really disgusting. And then they just went off on me, and so, but you never know. Expecting they did, <laughs> uh, but th- were you friends afterwards? It was just a momentary thing. Oh no, no. <laughs> that that was it. It was over. Well. You know, okay, I'm going to digress a bit, but it's, in that situation, people have preconceived notions about you when you tell them you're a vegan. And with with this individual, it seemed like she was uh, bracing for me to go all, like, animal rights activist on her and stuff, which actually wasn't. I just, I honestly thought her ham sandwich looked disgusting. <laughs> and so I was teasing her about it, and I think that preconceived notion became a reality in her head, and she thought I was beginning a, well, okay, but that's not the point, but... <laughs> um, you know, there are people who say, like, oh, wow, that's really cool you're vegan. That's really healthy. And, like, you know, they're in a very shy way, they're telling you that they are interested in it. But then, they'll, of course, they'll follow it up with something like, well, I could never do it. There you go. That's your, like, cue. That's where you go in and you say, oh, yeah, sure, you can do it. You're not annoying them. You're not, like, forcing your beliefs on them. You know, it's just encouragement. You know, just be positive about it. Low-hanging fruit. That's cool. Well, every time you say low-hanging fruit, I think about... <laughs> Think about um, the welfare is saying go after the low hanging fruit and the, oh god yeah that probably is a bad metaphor and the ang- no because you're using it um, they can't yeah. you're not talking about let's make the cage an inch bigger you're talking about let's you're talking lot you're using it correctly Adam you're saying let's go after the people who are because we're trying to end the abolish we're trying to abolish the use we're not trying to um, yeah. regulate it so so don't worry well, this is about like people but yeah, yeah I, I agree because it's like I. Even though there are there are such things as real gradual steps in the right direction, that damn phrase is overused, or, you know, misused so often with welfare that I just don't say it. You know, yeah. I never say gradual steps in the right direction. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I um, I try not to worry too much about what they're doing because although I do comment on it and I have. I have my opinions about it. I'm not shy about my opinions about it, but I don't like to talk to other people. I don't even like to mention any of that. I try to come across as like a breath of fresh air, like, I bet you've never heard this before. And they haven't. They've never heard it before. I can't, I haven't met anybody, and I haven't gotten out a lot, but I'm just going to start getting back out there because I've done with my studying. And I'm going to, we're going to go into our own little kiosk. It's not going to be, um, a, a properly built one yet um, with a computer system, but it's going to have, we're going to have the brochures. I've got my books of the videos, which, you know, it takes time. You have to sit down, but I'm going to carry them wherever I go. So point of, point of what I'm trying to get to is, is that I haven't met anybody who's ever heard this from anybody before, who's ever heard, do you care about animals? You should stop eating them, period. They've only ever heard, you should donate money to PETA or you should eat free range. They've never heard this. Most of the people I've – so it's like I don't even try to even worry about that other stuff. I just tell them this. And if, if, they, and if they come to me and say – and they always do, Adam. Even people who've never even thought about veganism come back and say, what about free range? And you know what? I tell them the truth. 
And so I don't even bring that up in the beginning, like to say, look, I know you've heard such and such, and I don't even go there. But if they bring it up, then I tell them the truth about it. But I don't even want, you know, I don't want it to become a big, I mean, I know it is, um, there is, um, there is a conflict between what we're trying to do and what they're trying to do. It's unavoidable truth. It's conflict because, well, I see what they're doing as detrimental. I personally believe that. That's my true belief. Um, I've listened to other people present evidence. I've observed it, and I'm seeing it happening in my own country. So um, that's truly what I feel, but I don't spend all my time talking to people about that. I just want to talk to people about veganism. If they bring up the brattery eggs, then I say, hey, that's a lie. Go here, look at this. I'm like, you know, so we have to always deal with the residue of that. No matter who you talk to, they've never heard of the message of, you know what, you can just stop eating animals, period. Um, and we're, you know, then then they've never heard that message. So when you do that, you always end up having to sort of debunk the myths that they have learned. And these people are, these are even people who are not even bothering to eat the, the free range, but they've certainly heard about it. But they they just sit there and look at me like, well, what do you mean free range isn't good? Aren't you an animal <laughs> rights activist? You know. So yeah, the, yeah, the general yeah. public is utterly confused, unfortunately. Right. And, and you know, those kiosks and those situations, they're just great ways of creating an opportunity to talk about them. You know, like, because what, what would be the alternative? Just like walking down the street and saying, hey, you, 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 you eat free range? Yeah. You know, and like, there's got to be a better way. You have to create an opportunity for that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and having a dialogue and using your words whether it's out of your mouth, printed, or in an email, or whatever, is, is essential to doing that. And uh, you know, it's, it's understandable that um, that can be a very uncomfortable thing for people. Just you know, public speaking is one of those largest, like the, the most feared thing in the world. Like people fear it more than death. You know, so okay, like that's okay. I understand. Like if if it's an uncomfortable thing for you to talk to people about veganism, then talk to people who have talked to people about veganism and they'll tell you what to do. Cause there's, there's always a way where you can, you can bring it to people. That's a great, that's a great way to do it. And you know, um, I'm not going to accost people. I want to set up something where people come to me and say, what are you doing? What are you sitting here? Where's your table? You know, people do that. Exactly. What are you, mm -hmm. Why are you sitting in the middle of this park and what's all this stuff? I'm not going to go up to people. I lived in New York City. I spent 10 years saying to people, no, thank you. I don't want one. I don't want one because you're constantly having bits of paper shoved in front of your face when you're on your way to an appointment. So oh, yeah. I want people who have got the time. I think it's going to be very effective. And I do certainly want to go to things like Earth Day and I want to go to – you know any um, any other gatherings where there are animal uh, issues being discussed, and I'll be standing next to people who don't agree with what I'm doing and whom I don't agree with what they're doing. But I want to be able to stand there and give my message out, and I certainly hope that there is no conflict because I'm not going to go there and be slandering them. I'm going to be telling them I want to be handing out what I'm doing. It just so happens it's not what they're doing. So I don't know. Do you find that when you're involved in these things, are you ever accosted by people who are saying, oh, you know, you're detrimental to our thing? Because do you know what I mean? Do you ever get that? Well, you know, I, I don't know because I, I haven't, I, I don't want to misrepresent myself too much as somebody who's just like super like um, experienced with active, uh, with uh, out, vegan outreach because I am kind of new to it, but I, but perhaps, you know, I, you know, I've done the kiosk and I've done some other kind of... Well, was there a PETA kiosk at where you were or was there a local... No, no, no. 
See, see, and that's the thing, like in Omaha, Nebraska, I don't have any uh, competition, should I say. Oh, good. Uh, well, I mean, like welfare. I don't have the PETA booth. Like, there's no ammo rights, anything there. Like, I was set right next to a honey booth. I can believe that was selling raw honey and stuff. So it's just, you know, it's Omaha. Um, <laughs> I haven't been in that situation where I have, like, the PETA people there and that sort of thing. But I, I don't imagine that it, it would have to be an uncomfortable thing. No, it shouldn't be. But, I, I, I certainly hope it's not going to be. I am a little bit trepidatious, though. Mm, well, not, at least not uncomfortable for the abolitionist. <laughs> yeah, well. Maybe we get some for them, because... Yeah, cause, true. I mean, I'm not... Yeah, uh, we'll just... But we just have to... I believe in what... In it. It's just I just wish that more people would not be scared to use the word vegan. So, Adam, before I let you go, um, I just want to find out if there's anything else you wanted to leave us with or, you know, any um, any new thoughts that you've had to share with us uh, as people out there who are trying to do vegan activism. Well, you know, as abolitionists, I think we we harbor a lot of uh, negativity and perhaps for good reasons, just, just the negativity of describing all the ways that welfareism is flawed and, and how things are failing. There's a lot of negativity and, uh, and, you know, sometimes that doesn't, it's definitely good to get that information out, but sometimes that doesn't leave us with a lot of hope. So I, I want to tell all the vegans out there, whether you are in, you know, like Portland, Oregon, where it's just totally vegan friendly, or if you're in Spiro, Oklahoma, you know, you're just like the only vegan in the whole town and you have to drive five miles to the, the nearest natural food store. Um, for, you know, every student who, with a shaky voice, openly objects to dissection in the classroom, you know, they may not be welcomed by their classmates, but vegans around the world with big hearts are cheering them on. And for those vegans who are constantly ridiculed and put down for their beliefs, I want you to know that you're beautiful, you're loved, and you're the first to start changing minds by speaking up. Uh, for those vegans who constantly endure ignorant accusations about their health and their beliefs, you know, I, I just want, I want to leave here and having you know that you have my support and the support of thousands of intelligent, educated people who agree with you 100%. And... And again, anybody can be active. It begins with the self. It begins with going vegan. Veganism is the starting point, as you've said a lot on your show. It can happen with a printer, a pen, or a mouth. And you don't have to change or, or force beliefs. You just show people the beliefs they already have. And the truth defends itself. As long as we have each other's support, I, don't, I honestly don't believe that we can fail. It cannot fail if we have each other's support. Thanks so much for interviewing me. Thank you. That was a wonderful um, last thing to say. And um, I know there's a lot of people out there who need to hear that. So good on you. I loved having you on. We, I think there's always so many things to talk about. So I'd love to have you on again. Um, and, um, if, of course. And if you could just, well, I'll just say Vegan FM, the vegan news. I believe that uh, episode eight is right this second being encoded and ready to be put on the air. And we have abolitionistvegans.org, um, which is um, under uh, reconstruction, slight reconstruction, yes, for uh, spam control. Is that correct? Yeah, the technical word would be it's in purgatory. It's in purgatory. <laughs> okay, so don't give up on it. But just, just... Oh, no, no, no. It's just uh, 
Yeah. Okay. It's just finding its way in life. Okay. And if you go to the, okay, fair enough. And if you um, also, if you go to the Vegan Examiner, oh, I'm going to try to find Adam's profile on there. Fantastic articles. And I really, really cannot recommend enough to follow Adam on Twitter, um, especially if you're out there, just like he said, and you're feeling alone or you don't have, you know, a lot of support. Um, I would definitely say Adam should be one of the vegans that you follow. I always find your links that you post and everything is just yeah, really, really good stuff. So it's that's a great message. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you know, to- this was my first interview, and I couldn't have picked a better person to be interviewed by because I, I, I think that you are a, a very emergent person in the animal rights movement right now, even if it just starts with this podcast. Like I was saying, like your words, printer, your your mouth, your pen, or your microphone. And, uh, and you know, like it – if, like you've done this flip book and I'm excited to go and go down to Kinko's and get one of these printed out so I can do that with my next kiosk and I just wanted to put that out there I didn't mean to cut you off no that's great thank you very much and I you know like we're all um, I, I'm finding more support than than detriment I d- honestly expected to get a lot of flack I expected to get a lot of negativity I did I went into this thinking all I'm going to get is hate mail all I'm going to get is people saying ah you stinky vegan and da, da. And the opposite has been true so that just reinforces what you said about how much support there is out there and about you know how many people there are out there who who care about us and know you know we care about each other and we ha- we want to spread this so um, I think the best thing about doing this podcast was opening my mind to the fact that I'm not alone and um, and it is the right thing to do so it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done and I certainly want to do more you know most definitely anything I can do and I'm going to go out in the community and one of my one of these days I'm going to get somebody to build me one of those kiosks because we have a lot of really good carpenters (laughs) down here we do great carpenters and um and we can have a tent and so when it rains everybody can come into my vegan kiosk and have vegan food and um, learn about veganism that's my little dream so uh, but in the meantime I'm going to stand out there with my umbrella (laughs) and my flip books And I'm going to keep doing my podcast. So do come on the show again. Uh, oh, yeah, you bet. I'll be back. Okay, great. Definitely. All right. Um, take care of yourself, Adam. We'll be in touch. It's been my pleasure. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. I want to thank Adam for coming on the show. And um, please, uh, if you have any questions or comments or anything at all, please email me at nzveganpodcast at me.com or... You can go on the blog and check out all the links and everything at nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. Bye.